Acts chapter 2, this is the Pentecost reading, Acts 2, 1 through 21 is where we'll be this morning. You remember that when Jesus ascends back to God, He tells His disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. That promise that He's talking about comes to fruition in chapter 2. Notice these words here. Acts 2, when, in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, which is exactly, by the way, 50 days after Passover. Okay, so that's when Jesus dies, is on Passover. And so this is 50 days after that. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Kind of like we are. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They're just filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, quote, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out My Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on My male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out My Spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood 
before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank You so much for Your Word. And it is by the Holy Spirit inspiring holy men to write that we have this Bible. Holy Spirit, You also help in the interpretation. You also help in the preaching. You also help in the understanding and application. So we pray for Your help now. We pray, Holy Spirit, we want to say yes to You today. Whatever it is, we want to say yes to You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everything has a beginning. Uh, Life begins at conception. This is where Jesus' own life began, was it not? We just said it in the Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Not by a man, but by the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's fully human because He was conceived. That's where we begin. Uh, Every church that you've ever seen Think of all the churches on Hughes Road. Uh, Think of all the churches in Rome or around the world, in China, in Africa today, that have already met this morning. Every one of those churches had a beginning. Every one of those churches had to be started. Just like this church. You know, we're still in the in the in the upstart process. I mean, today we're we're creating membership for the first time. We we never have done that before. So It's new. I mean, most churches, that's ho-hum for them. It's not for us. And so, everything has a beginning. From corporation, Apple had a beginning. Casey knows this well. Microsoft had a beginning. Chevrolet had a beginning. Everything has its beginning. And today, we celebrate the beginning of a new era. Today, we celebrate the beginning of... The church. The church was started. I mean, the church. You know, sometimes we say the church and we're referring to Harvest Point. Or sometimes we say the church and we're referring to a certain denomination. Other times we say the church and we're referring to the whole thing. I'm referring to the whole thing. Invisible church. You know, there's kind of the differentiation between the visible church, what's in front of you today, and the invisible church that's already met today and is met for 2,000 years. That's in heaven. Okay, I'm talking about the church was started on Pentecost Sunday. There was no church before that. There was no Christianity before Jesus Christ. Remember? There was Judaism. There was the Old Testament. Not that it was anti-Christianity, but Christianity brought it to its fulfillment. Jesus brings everything to fulfillment including the Holy Spirit. Notice that Peter's message was from the Old Testament. <laughs> you know, Many people preach only from the New Testament because they're quite frankly not very familiar with the events of the Old Testament. And you've read the Old Testament, parts of it. It's really difficult sometimes. I mean, how do you get certain messages from, say, Song of Solomon? That's tough. You don't really hear many from that. Now, I don't really hear me from Ecclesiastes. It's a pretty negative book. 
Everything has a beginning. The church begins today because Jesus brought the Holy Spirit to our world. He gave the Holy Spirit access to all people. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all people on this day, this Pentecost Sunday. So, let's track a few movements in chapter 2 just like we did with Jesus when He was born. I mean, we make a big stink, so to speak, about Jesus' birth, right? Christmas is a huge thing. The Holy Spirit kind of gets forgotten about, right? Nobody's celebrating. I mean, nobody's getting gifts today. No, no kids are excited today. There's no, there's no spirit in the air today. No, no, no. It seems to be just another Sunday. You know what? That's how the Spirit likes it anyway. The Spirit doesn't like the elation and the, and the, and the glory. And the, no, He's working behind the scenes always. Just like I said with the kids. He's unseen. His business is unseen. He is not the one who dies on the cross. He comes to teach us about Jesus Christ. He comes to apply everything that Jesus accomplished to our hearts. That's what He's doing. And He's doing it in, a, in such, almost in a motherly love type of way. A selfless way. Not Him glorifying Himself. You know, when I do something around the house, I say, Jessica, did you see how many clothes I folded? And when not, I stayed up to like 12 folding clothes for her. And I mean, I made sure that she saw what I did, right? If I wash it, hey, did you see all those dishes I washed, babe? I mean, come on, I need, I need, some, I need to be patted. I need to be petted, you know, so to speak, if I'm going to work um, around the house. She doesn't, she doesn't operate like that. I mean, there's countless clothes that gets washed that I never even take notice of, you know, quite frankly. Um, there are countless diapers, and I do mean countless diapers, at the newborn stage that gets changed that I'm unaware of. I'm snoozing as, as, as pee is flying on the wall, you know. Um, we do have all men in our house. So, uh, and so, you know, it's like a mother's love. Behind the scenes working, not asking to be recognized at all. At all. The Holy Spirit kind of sneaks into our world right here in Jerusalem where all the events of Jesus' life, really the important events take place, so too now in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit comes in as a mighty wind. Did you notice that from heaven? But how did this promise come about? Jesus told them to wait. Now, He wasn't obviously just telling them to just sit and watch the clock. That's not the kind of waiting that they're told to do. Instead, pray. It was an an expectant kind of waiting. In other words, they were waiting for some real thing to happen to help them, which was the Holy Spirit. And the way that the Holy Spirit made His way into our world, which is the same way He makes His way into our life, is through prayer. Through praying. The simplest thing in the world to do is to pray. We talk about it a lot. We try to teach it. We try to emulate it, imitate it, whatever. But many times we never get around to doing it, actually. We think about it sometimes. Yeah, I need, to, I need to really pray for them. And then it's just whatever. We go back to our normal life and thinking about all the things we got to get done. No, pray. 
Take a moment to pray. It's so simple to pray, and yet it's one of the most difficult things to do consistently, continually, as Paul requires for us to do. Pray continually, without ceasing, constantly. They were praying, not only just praying, but they were praying together. Notice here, there's some kind of power in praying together as believers. God heard their prayer as they prayed. 120 of them, by the way, in an upper room, praying together, and the Spirit comes into that room and fills that room. You know, if you want to have your own Pentecost, because just think about what Pentecost means, not just for the starting of the church, but think about what it did for the lives of those apostles. We remember those disciples that were there, the, the, the other eleven, so to speak, because of what happened at Pentecost. They were fickle before. The first sign of trouble, they're gone. The first chance for them to be selfish, they are. After Pentecost, they're willing to die. After Pentecost, they preach the Gospel boldly. There's a new power at work in their life. And that power is not some kind of impersonal force. Rather, that power is a person. You've seen this happen. Someone empowered you at work. Here's how you do the proposal. Or, here's how you do this at work. They empower you with knowledge. They empower you with example. I mean, have you ever worked for somebody or been taught by somebody that just their presence demands that you do better? It's something about their presence that you want to work harder. You want to have a product that's efficient, right? I mean, that's how it was for me with a couple of professors in, in seminary. I worked harder just because of who they were. I didn't want to turn in some dumb paper to this renowned scholar. Just in case down the line, you know, something may happen one day. I'm going to be like, oh, Marshall, he's coming to our church? Aye, I remember that paper he wrote. You know. There's some people we work for, there's some people that we know that, that by their very presence is empowering to us. We feel like we can do it. I know my dad is one of those people in my life that if I'm trying to work on something at my house or on my car, which I often try to do, uh, I'm sitting here trying to figure things out and I'm, I'm no mechanical mind hardly at all. And I'm trying to tinker around and, and got some things probably worse shape than they... And I'm taking way too long. I already know that. I know that's going to be one of his first critique when he gets there. But when he gets there, as soon as he says, turn that one, do this, put that on there... Boom. It empowers me and we're done in 15 minutes. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to bring. It's not some kind of impersonal power that we tap into you know, by doing the right things and holding one leg up or boiling certain hairs. In front. No, it's not witchcraft. It's not magic. This is the Holy Spirit, a person. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Holy Trinity. Therefore, He's personal. And His power is a presence. When He comes into your life, you want to live better. 
You want to do what's right. You want to be holy because that's what He's pushing you to be. That's who He is. He is, after all, the Holy Spirit. Notice that's the, that's, that's the qualifier for His name. You know, we don't talk about just, just the Holy Father, sometimes just Father, or just Holy Jesus. But with the Spirit, it's always the Holy Spirit. That's what He comes to do. That's what He comes to bring to your life. Now, in our small groups, we've been talking about all the benefits of the Holy Spirit. What He comes to bring. What He's doing in our life. And it's many and varied. But the primary thing He comes to bring is a new power at work to save us. We're on a downward spiral. We're losing the battle against sin in our own life until we're born again. And when we're born of the Spirit, just like Jesus says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit and water. This is what Jesus tells him flat out. Or you will never see the kingdom of God. When you're born again, there is a new power at work in your life. Now you can quench that power. Paul talks about that. You can even grieve that power. Because that power is a personal power. That power is a person that can be grieved. Ultimately, you can grieve, quench, and blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now, you definitely don't want to fall into the third category. We've all, as Christians, if you're a Christian, have grieved the Holy Spirit at some point. You've sinned. After you've been saved. You've sinned after you've been born again. You you knew what you were doing and you spat in God's face anyway. You went your own way. You did your own thing. You took out your little time out and had your fun. And then you were sickened by it. But you know what? The difference between... Because we can't see Satan either. We can't see Satan. We can't see the Spirit. How do you know the difference then between what they're trying to do in your life? Because they're trying to do two things in your life. The Spirit always says, you can do better than that. Satan always says, that's who you are. You're just, you're a sinner. That's it. You'll never be above that sin. You'll never be above that block. You'll never reach the next level. Just accept who you are and live with it. That's what God wants for you to do is just accept who you are. No. No. That's not what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit is saying, I can give you new power to live right. Now some of us don't want to believe that. Some of us refuse to believe it because we've accepted the lie of the liar. The devil. Satan. The evil one. And we've said, yep, that's who I am. Look, I get mad. Big deal. Look, I, I do this when I get, in, get really stressed out. Big deal. No, it is a big deal. It's small at first. And people laugh about it. And you chuckle about it, whatever. It's not a big deal. It becomes a big deal when you're 70 years old and you're still struggling with it. When it's eaten your life up and it's defined 
who you are. You see, small things can become very large things in the end. But hey, so too can salvation start like a mustard seed, right? And grow into a great fruitful tree. That's what Jesus says. A little bit of faith can move mountains. Do you really believe that? For your life. I know you believe it for other people's lives. You've seen people delivered from alcohol. You've seen people delivered from addictions. But do you believe it for your life? Some of the things you struggle with, some of the things I struggle with, people would laugh about. And yet it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And the Holy Spirit wants to make you holy. It's what He comes to do. But that will never happen if you don't pray. It will never happen in particular if you don't pray with other people. Again, they were praying with each other. 120 of them praying. You know, this church was started with a prayer group. (laughs) That was done on purpose. (laughs) You know, if there's one thing in this church we need, it's not better leadership, it's not more people, it's not more money, it's more praying. God owns everything. Haven't you heard? He doesn't need money. He doesn't need your money, He doesn't need my money. He owns everything. And you know what? He can call up leaders from anywhere. He wants to call up leaders from this room. But our problem, again, is praying. We live in our own little world, in our own little head, and we go hours in the day, maybe even days in the week. And we never even pray. Never pray for our church. Never pray for our family. Or if we do pray, they're what I call cheap prayers. We're just throwing something out. Cheap talk. I, I don't, you know, just a side note, I don't really do much cheap talk. I, I just, I can't abide it. When somebody's just kind of shooting the bull, I, I can't handle that very well. Jessica, she does a great deal of that, uh, which is why most people that want to shoot the bull, so to speak, call her and not me. I just I don't I don't know what to say and I just if there's not any substance I don't know what to do about it. You know the weather's not that important to me. Uh, it changes too much. But you know what? The Holy Spirit comes to give us something to talk about. He gives us something to live for. A new power in our life. Is that not what happened here? From heaven comes this mighty wind. Now, the Holy Spirit has already been seen in the Bible in the Old Testament as a wind, as the wind of God. But here, it's an uncontrollable wind. Have you ever been in a wind that was really strong? You ever like lost? Have you ever done one of those things where you lost papers? I mean, this happened to me recently. Uh, I was trying to get in my car, and interestingly, the communion plate that we use slipped out of my hand. Uh, all at the same time what the communion cup did, and it doesn't matter about the cup because it's made of some kind of plastic material, uh, but the plate is glass, right? So it had busted wide open. Uh, and so I kick it, you know, because I've got the box that I bring to church. And so, like, I'm getting all this stuff out of the car to get in my office. It's pouring down rain. The wind is like a beast. And so, so I get out, and it slide, everything slides off. And so I kick it into my car, and it barely makes it in. So we still have a communion plate. Don't worry. Um, 
but my papers went everywhere. They fl- they're flying everywhere, and it's raining. You know, these are papers I need for my mortgage, uh, for the new house, and so it's a disaster. And paper, it's uncontrollable. Have you, what else about a wind, especially a mighty wind, is it takes away anything that's not grounded, doesn't it? I mean, we know a little bit about tornadoes in this area. Especially after April 27th, the year that I turned 30. I'll never forget it. I turned 30, had a nice dinner with my parents and wife that night, and the next day, uh, for a whole week of my first 30-year week, uh, I was without power. Uh, and it was a disaster. You had to get in our neighborhood uh, by showing your ID to a National Guard guy. Um, quite fascinating that what the wind can do. Just wind did all that damage. Wind. It's insane. It uproots anything that's not grounded. You know what? When the Spirit comes to our life, He wants to rush in as an uncontrollable. Get this. You have to give Him this permission. He's not going to bust down the door. This is going to have to be prayerfully entered into, but you say, God, I want You at work in my life. When you say that and when you mean it and when you understand what you're asking for, He can come in. This is what they were doing. They had been with Jesus for three years. And now they're asking for something further. They're already Christian. Now they need the infilling of God's Spirit. They need a new power at work to overcome sin in their life and to become bold for Jesus' sake. Have you found in your own Christian life that once you become a Christian... Things are great. It's like a honeymoon. Everything is perfect. Everything is right. Everything is glorious. And then two years later, you're in the dumps again. You're depressed. You feel like you've lost the power. You've lost the honeymoon stage. It's not all new. It's not all fun. It's not all joyous. Quite frankly, there's a lot of work. And there are hard decisions to be made. And you're trying to hold on to yourself. When this wind comes into your life, anything that's not grounded in Jesus Christ is blown all over the place. Rearranged. You may have plans for your life, but if you allow the Spirit to fill your life, this mighty wind to come into your life, they may get arranged. Rearranged. And that's kind of scary for us. Especially people who like things in their proper place but not with this wind. It's uncontrollable. He is uncontrollable. You can't control Him. Remember what Jesus tells Nicodemus again in John 3? He says, look, the Spirit blows where He will, like the wind. This wind comes from heaven. There are tongues of fire that rest upon each one of them that gives them a new power to speak the Word of God. Now, I read all the weird names here of all of where all these people are from in verses 5 through 13. They're from all over the world, in other words. They were here for Pentecost, and they were from all over the world. Now, is it not interesting that the day the church started, 3,000 people are saved? That's a mega church. Boom, right there. Except for the fact that they're not all from Jerusalem. Boom, they go all over the world with the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose. The Holy Spirit is for all people. He was poured out on this day onto all people that would receive Him. Those who received Him, 
did so by repenting and believing in Jesus Christ. They repented of their sin, their way. That is the Christian life, by the way, is to repent and believe. At every stage, when you become a Christian, the way you become a Christian is to repent and believe. When you sin after becoming a Christian, the way you stay a Christian is to repent and believe. When you want to be sanctified entirely, give your whole life over to God, allow this wind to come in and rearrange everything in your life, uproot everything that is not grounded in Christ, repent and believe. Every stage is repent and believe. Turn from your way, my way, to His way. We're back to Psalm 1 again. Do we want to be blown away like the chaff that has no root or rooted and grounded in the foundation of the world who is Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior? You see, what happened on Pentecost was... Babel was reversed. So, remember, we, we actually did this in our series on atonement. When we talked about original sin, we looked at Genesis 11, where sin is just spiraling out of control. Everybody's doing whatever they want to do, and it's only evil continually. And God says, you know what? They're going to destroy themselves because they can all talk to one another. So instead, He confuses the languages to make it more difficult for us to destroy ourselves. It was actually by His grace that we're given these barriers. Thank God we weren't all Germans. We'd have destroyed the world. Nothing against Germans in particular. I'm just saying, because there's blockage there, because we have different prides and patriotisms and languages and cultures, hey, we say, we're not down with that. We're going to stand up and fight that. Today on Pentecost, whereas the languages were confused, now everybody's hearing in their own native language. They're speaking in other languages. And they don't even know these other languages. They, they haven't studied these other languages. This is a gift of languages as we looked at in our small group last week. And they hear in their own native... And they give God praise. And they say, look, what must we do to be saved here? Peter's first thing is to say, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. The other thing he tells them is to repent and believe and be baptized. Every one of you. For the forgiveness of your sins. Peter preaches on this day and we too, once we receive the Holy Spirit, are called to be preachers. You say, I don't know, that's, I thought that's what we paid you for, was to preach. No, sorry. You're to be a minister. We are all priests. We are all ministers, witnesses, testifiers of Jesus Christ. If you have received His salvation, if you have the Holy Spirit of God, you can't but help but witness that was bad grammar, but you can't help but witness. And to be a witness. St. Francis of Assisi, who was not a Assisi at all, but that's just where he came from. He said, preach everywhere 
at all times and in all places, and if you have to, use words. That's the kind of preaching you're called to do. What about a, you know, how much does a marriage speak to people? Think back in your head when you're a teenager and you see a strong family. How, how many volumes does that speak? How many words does that say? To have a strong marriage for your children. Have a strong marriage for God. Because what happens when the children are gone? You just dissipate the marriage? No. It's not all about the children. If the children become the focus of the marriage, it's no longer a marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Not a man and a woman and three rugrats. Rugrats, sorry. I was thinking muskrats. Sometimes they look like muskrats. No. What about a family? How much does a family speak? How much does a good worker speak? The fact that when people think about you, they think, you know what? He's a, he's a really good guy. He's a good worker. He's a guy that's always got an encouraging word to say. Or he's somebody that I can count on and he'll pray for me. Well, I mean, what does that mean for somebody? That can be life or death for somebody that's thinking about suicide. Somebody that's depressed, to know to go to you, that could be salvation for them. If you have to, use words. Your life preaches volumes. It preaches volumes to your spouse. It preaches volumes to your children. To us at the church. To people at work. What are you preaching? You're a minister. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Because what He comes to do is give us something to preach about. Something to live about. Something to live for. A new power to overcome sin. What an amazing solution to our problem God has. You see, it's deep within, and that's where He places His Spirit. His Spirit, as Rachel said earlier, yes, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. But the Spirit is God in us, filling us, blowing our nonsense away. Rooting us in Christ Jesus. So what do we need to do today? You need to pray. You need to really pray. If you want the Holy Spirit, pray. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, pray. Some people say, you know, well, you get all of the Spirit when you're saved. Correct. That's right. You get all of the Spirit, but He doesn't have all of you. No. You let Him in the door of your life, but you haven't given Him the keys yet. That comes later. That's what we mean by sanctification. Sanctification is saying, here's the keys, I'm done. I can't handle this anymore. I surrender everything. You can't do that up front. You don't know what all is anti-God, anti-Christ in your life until the Holy Spirit begins to point things out. And yes, some of that takes a lifetime, but there must come a point in your life where you say, I resign my life to the Holy Spirit. I want... Him more than I want to be organized. 
I want Him more than I want to be financially secure. I want Him more than I want whatever dream it is you have. Because He's going to blow things away and rearrange some things, but I promise you, whatever's blown away was dross anyway. It was extra. It was going to be burned up. Wait. Pray and wait expectantly. In other words, when you pray, don't just pray and, oh, all right, I, I guess He didn't do it, so oh well. No, expect it at any moment. If you pray here today, expect it. He'll fill you right here. Also, preach with your life and call upon the name of Jesus. It is the name by which everyone will bow. Everyone will confess Him one day. From the founder of Apple all the way to you and myself. So it's best to do it now. It's best to confess now. Because once the cavalry rolls in and you're holding the enemy's weapon, it's too late to surrender. Surrender now. The Holy Spirit has come. Today the church begins. We're celebrating. This is our birthday. Have you experienced your own Pentecost? Have you had that point in your life where you found new power because of this new person at work? If you haven't, you can. He's given to all people. As He said, young, old, servants, doesn't matter. All people. Be filled today with the Holy Spirit of God. Amen.